Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This episode is proudly sponsored by Integrity, your partner for life. Integrity recently launched an exclusive research paper to help advisors understand how to attract and retain new clients. They believe their role in the industry is bigger than just providing products. They want to help create a sustainable industry, educate clients, and support advisors personally in their business. You can get a copy of the report and learn more about Integrity if you visit integritylife.com.au forward slash xy. back to the XY Advisor podcast. Fraser Jack here and today I'm joined by Dean Holmes. Welcome Dean. Thanks Fraser. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Thank you. We haven't chatted for a while but uh, and, and you've been on the uh, the podcast a few times but uh, not for, for quite some time so a lot's happened since then. Yeah absolutely. Um, I think when I first did a podcast and started working with XY I was in London uh, as that as part of my life's journey took me over there and so I was I, I did a presentation for XY at their first conference in Sydney, and I was sitting in my lounge room with my business shirt on, um, probably at one o'clock in the morning, uh, presenting remotely about how how you can run your financial planning business without an office and work from anywhere. Obviously, five and a half years on, that's not really that that thought. That's not thought leadership anymore. <laughs> Everyone's doing it. Wow, well, there you go. So you were ahead. Of, you were ahead of the time. You're absolutely right. Everybody's doing it, which is uh, you know the old uh, what do they call it location independent. I say now, people say to me, "Where's your office?" And I say, "It's in the cloud." Oh, there you go. Yeah, meet you in the cloud for a coffee. <laughs> now tell me, uh, tell me, explain to us just what does your business look like now then? Yeah, so the business looks now, so originally I started with my business partner, Paul. We started a financial planning business called Absolute Wealth Advisors. It's been around for about 13 years. Uh, We became self-licensed about 10 years ago. And about five years ago, we morphed the licensee into a very small small licensee, as we would understand it, and brought on some authorized reps. And where, we're, where I'm focusing my effort at the moment is in the two businesses, which is the Wealth Network as the licensee, and more importantly, our business, which is called TWN Partners. TWN is for the Wealth Network. So TWN Partners is the business that we coach, mentor, and help to build financial planning businesses from scratch. We are talking to advisors about what we think is the entrepreneurial revolution. So the ability for advisors today to leave the large institutions, if they're still large institutions, and come and start your own financial planning business, preferably from scratch. And we've got tools, experience, and models to help that advisor go from zero clients to a sustainable, profitable business over time. Yeah, fantastic. And this is something that sort of hasn't been around for a while. I mean, I, I remember starting my business from scratch. It was pretty much back back in the uh, early, very early 2000s. It was like there's, there's a telephone and and uh, go through the contacts that you know and start ringing people and speaking to people with uh, with with zero sort of, you know, a base. It's it's pretty hard. Oh, ab- absolutely. It, and it's it's no harder. It's harder today or it's no harder today. Like, because 
there's just different ways to communicate with people, but also there's a lot of noise these days. If you think about the amount of scrolling people might do without actually paying attention on, on Instagram or LinkedIn or things like that, is that people would say that that's the new way of communicating to the audience, but it's still difficult to cut, cut through. So you would have made a cold call, Fraser, and, and went to, um, you know, interrupted someone's dinner time or something like that, and they hung up on you. The new version of that is people don't answer phone calls anymore. You have to text them and they're scrolling through social media and it's very hard to catch their attention as well. So it is difficult um, to get your messages across in the broad sense. But what we've talked to businesses about is a concept that we call hyper-targeting, which is being really focused on the community that you want to look after and being location independent or in the cloud you can find that community now all around Australia very, very easily. And so probably you were, when you got started, you were location required. So it was like, I need to set up in the, on this street because most clients only want to travel 25 minutes. I need to be on a bus line or a train line so that it's easy for people to get to. Um, now we've flipped that on the head for most advisors where they can say, does it, those things don't matter, but the community of, a, of clients that I want to look after I want them to be very similar so that I get really good at looking after those people. But then it's very easy for a new customer to come in and know that that firm is set up to appropriately care for you. Yeah. So I, I always talk about left-handed vets because I think it's funny. And so if, if you actually wanted to find left-handed vets around Australia, I'm pretty sure you could do that from a data perspective and then communicate and target to why your business and your skill set is appropriate for left-handed vets. And, and if your name was Ned Flanders, you do really well in that left-handed vet uh, mm. market, I'm pretty sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, not everyone will get that joke. <laughs> not everyone will, but some people will. I'll just go <laughs> tip of the cap. Uh, yep. Now, look, before we, before we talk about uh, some of the coaching, what you're doing, I really want to just quickly go back and, and talk about the fact that uh, you know, you started your the you know the financial planning business, absolute wealth part, uh, absolute wealth advisors, and um, and worked in that business as as a planner for many years. And then you you made a bit of a transition. Obviously, you were you, you know you were doing a lot of work as a licensee. But talk to me about that transition that you've made from being a, a, an advisor through to becoming a coach. Yeah. So the the transition was really difficult, um, and. It took a long time and it, it was most of the issues were, um, you know, my personal mindset, if you, if, for want of a better word. Um, and so what the challenge was internally for me is that these clients that I had taken on and had looked after for 10 years, it was a challenge to pass them off to another advisor. And it, but not that my business partners couldn't look after them. It's because that I felt like I had made all of these promises throughout the last 10 years that I'd always be there. And I was feeling like I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm actually not going to be there. And I need to ask someone else to stand in and always be there going forward. And it was probably always because I never thought that I would be building at the time a business delivering financial advice. I thought it was always me. And so the mindset shift that, that I've had, and it's flown through to other things that I'm doing now, is that I'm now in the business of building financial advice businesses. And so that sentence is quite specific and it's a little mantra for me is that 
when I was trying finally to get out of Absolute Wealth Advisors from the perspective of looking after individual clients, I had to remind myself that I'm running the business and that business will look after the clients. And that's the only way that I can then go and help other business owners do exactly the same thing. Yeah. So you're still looking after that business, Absolute Wealth Advisors, but yes, you're just it's not still personally part of our network. still not looking after the individual clients. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you build that relationship with the client and then you've almost got to split up with them when you sell mm. a business. It's an interesting mindset thing that people have got to go through when they're moving on from a business or they're selling yeah. a business. And I still, the best, like I've got the best of both worlds because the clients, I'm still aware of what's going on. Um, so I can talk to my business partner and say, what's going on with X client? You know, like they were a bit worried about something. How are they going? And my and Paul, tell, Paul and Stella give me updates anyway. Um, but yeah, you just wonder how they're going and whether um, what's going on. But I've the lesson that we learned from the handover was a concept um, that we that we were taught ourselves, which is called make. It was essentially called the promise. And so, what the handover thing concept was is that you, me, and the other advisor were on the call, but in person together. And what we what we structured was that Paul, as the advisor taking over, would always make a promise to the client to do something really soon. Okay, and so that was like the first step in the handover of the implementation of the handover. So it was, it was, if you just imagine I'm saying I'm Paul's going to take over, he's really amazing, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's just words. And then we continue with the review. And then during the review, Paul picked up something which we had pre pre-planned, but Paul picked up something and said, I promise that I'll look into that in the next two weeks. Okay. So then it gave Paul a connection with the clients. And when you promise to do something and deliver, which is the important part, but when you promise to do something and you deliver, that creates a trust element very, very quickly. And so that's the transfer of trust obviously happened because it was Paul and Dean, Paul transferring Dean to the client and we'd had 13 years of business operation. So there was already one layer of trust. This promise concept got us the second layer of trust once Paul delivered on what he said he was going to do. That's a really interesting uh, way of looking at uh, you know, the, 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 the trust transfer and, mm. uh, and you, what you said, the promise process. Yeah, we got it from our coach. Like I'm a coach with a coach at the end of the day. And so he was helping us navigate the, this separation um, and help us navigate this part of our business journey. And so um, they had obviously gone through something similar as well in their experience at some point in time. And so, yeah, that was a really valuable way of transferring the, the trust and the, and, the pro- and the process and then the responsibility of the other advisor to look after the clients going forward. Yeah, well, that's super cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, now, I also want to talk to you about the mindset of being a licensee. So you obviously, when you got your self-license, you then, you know, you take one hat off as being an advisor, you put the licensee hat on. How different is that licensee hat to the uh, the advisor hat? Um, in a couple of different, it's it's the same and very different in in a couple of contexts. So, if you the licensee that we are trying to deliver is is a is a licensee that's focused on helping advisors do business. One of our core values is that we're not compliance is not the business business prevention unit. So we definitely have the mindset because it's built by advisors. 
that we want to be able to facilitate business. And so that's definitely the where we're very much aligned. Um, probably where the difficulty always happens is that it's very difficult or maybe it's impossible at the moment um, for licensees to know everything that's going on with every single client in every single advice practice. There's a little bit of unknown in that context. Now I have seven businesses, so the unknown is, is minimized, especially because I work in these businesses every single week. So I do, I have the finger on the pulse of what's going on at the business level, but I, and which is unique. If I think about other licensees, they're not seeing their advisors very frequently. It's very, very hard, even with all the data in the world, to know all of the things that are that are going on. And so that worries me a little bit from licensee perspective, just in terms of we we don't I, they're not necessarily the most viable or profitable entities. Um, they're a necessary evil or a necessary part of our process at the moment. Uh, and so obviously that's going to change because licensees, uh, just like insurance companies, if you keep losing money forever, someone comes in and helps you. Um, and so <laughs> you, you forgot to do the bunny ears when you say help. They help, help you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. It's a podcast. It was a shoot. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, um, yeah, someone came in and helped the insurance companies and there'll be some type of reform in terms of licensee world at some time in the future. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited about that and, and frankly ready for it in the context that it removes that uncertain, the issue of that the advisor, in inverted commas, does something wrong and the licensee is responsible, but yet it was really, really hard for the licensee to know that was going on. And so, yes, the licensee is responsible, but in that scenario, the advisor walks off scot-free and the licensee is the one that's ultimately responsible. And broadly, why licensees' fees are going to go up and have gone up in the last 24 months is that most licensees were not pricing in the risk of those events appropriately because they were all institutionally owned and it was all hidden, just like all product stuff was hidden before. So when you bring it out and try to price the risk, it becomes expensive. Yep. I've always seen a few uh, issues or, or, or things that sort of stick up in that regard. And one is obviously that um, the, the compound uh, liability effect of licensing, mm. as in, you know, like you get paid this year for advice you gave this year. Uh, and next year you're not getting paid for that advice, but the liability runs on. And so the longer and, the, and more advice and more advisors around – the compounding effect that has on the liability for a licensee. Absolutely. And you saw that with the with the different larger lookbacks and things like that the licensees have had to do or the four banks have had to do. I started going back. They said, we'll go back three years and then five years and then seven years. And then they're dusting the paper off the physical archives from Homebush. Like, it's crazy. It, it's a long period of time. Um, I think... If, the, if wrongs were done, like, you know, you investigate other crimes back that, that long, um, but, if, but eventually we have to have a line in the sand and allow all the advisors to move forward in a new framework. And so um, I'm seeing that the new framework will be somewhat that there's an individual advice relationship with the, reg with the regulator, which will still keep me in a job because no one will want to do it. 
but the more that an individual advisor has a relationship with the regular regulator directly, and this is the single disciplinary body, the more the advisor has the relationship with that with that body, um, the more responsible they individually will be for their actions. Yeah, and this has been a really interesting topic that was sort of brought to my attention not so long ago, um, was the fact that uh, the Corporations Act, of course, uh, and, and looked after by ASIC, is around corporations. It's about companies. Mm-hmm. It's about licensing, being a company. Uh, then Fasia talked about the advice giver, the individual, the tax practitioner board obviously talks about the individual. Um, and so we've sort of, we never really got the Corporations Act to, to, to say, well, I'm an individual. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the human being giving the advice. It was always around which company structure is giving the advice. Correct. And, it, but, and if, you, if we take our evidence from the, our other two professions, so our, our lawyers and our accountants, both of them are very much individually partnershiped and individually responsible for things that they do. They pool their risk and do all sorts of other things, which financial advisors will do in the future. Um, but it, it, it would seem weird to me in the future that the three professions um, in this space, accountants, lawyers, and financial advisors, it would be weird that financial advisors are, are dealt with differently when we're all professionals. Yep, yep, couldn't agree more. Now, uh, now you talk about the concept of partnering uh, with your businesses, and literally, you are partnering with them. You're not just being, a, you know, a licensee saying we're we're a business partner. Uh, you, you're, you 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 are a business partner. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we named our business that way uh, on purpose. So. Uh, we called it TW, like the website's TWN.partners. It's, it's all about the partnership program. And for us, in, from a time perspective and a, and a commitment, is that when we help an advisor start their own financial planning business, we are essentially becoming their business partner with them for, for a period of around five years. And for, the, for that, we have a joint ownership in the business. We deliver a coaching, mentoring, a business building process into that financial planning business. And we share the rewards of building that business over over time and at five years when we um, ask the advisor to buy us out. So from a, from a deliverables of a coaching business building perspective, we completely have sweat equity for five years and then, and then um, decide to sell out. So it's a very different model from that perspective. We still charge licensee fees and the cost of running that business. But in terms of my sweat equity and effort, most of that is on the, on the future value of, of selling out of these businesses in, in three, four, five, six, seven year, years time. Yeah, well, so it's, a, like, it's a basically a financial advice incubator. Yeah, absolutely. And my, this, you know, I, I have to, the, the difficulty of doing this is that it's very hard to know if I'm the right person to partner with. And so that you can look at past evidence, of course, in terms of one way to do it. And the other, the other way is that I'm committing to do this essentially for free. And if it fails, I get nothing. If we build an amazing business, yes, I get paid. And so it's trying to remove that moral hazard of just going, I just don't know um, what Dean's going to deliver or I don't know what, what's going to happen over the journey. Um, if, it, if it all doesn't work out, then you haven't paid me for my time. Yeah, because that's the thing about coaching, isn't it? Sometimes you need the coaching to get the money versus getting the, a, paying the money to get the coaching. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, and that's how we 
that's how we came up with this model because we acknowledge that coaching and speaking to people about how to build the business is not necessarily free but when you've started your business you have no revenue at all and so definitely the first thing you, you you're not thinking about is hiring a coach to help you build the business and so um, that's how we price it in in order to say that you can start a business from scratch with zero clients and come on and and yes you'll have to pay the pay the pay the boss at the end but we can build it together over that five year period um, which in our view gives you a greater chance of success than if you tried to do it on your own yeah and speaking of success as you mentioned before you've got some past Past performance, uh, past yeah, performance is no indicator of future past, performance. <laughs> this but, is a part. This is probably where past performance can be a somewhat reliable indicator <laughs> of, of future performance. Um, for two reasons, Fraser, and it's not the the first is not about me. Um, the first is picking the right people in the beginning. So, not every advisor is ready to start their own business and. Frankly, and, and this is also okay, not every advisor is destined to start their own business. So the first thing in terms of the past performance is that you have to, that we have chosen well in terms of our process to find the right people to start businesses with, okay? And so that's the, the first step. So, you know, Ben is an example. Ben was always going to be an excellent advisor and build an amazing business. He just needed a bit of a framework around um, his thousand ideas in order to get the get some on paper and get and get started. Um, so that's a so picking the right people for us is really important, and that's you can get a lot of coaching analogies from that when you think of sporting teams and things like that. It's less about the coach and more about the players. Um, but then you can do the Wayne Pennant thing and go look. Actually, um, there's a lot of value in terms of a coach over time building successful teams or building successful businesses so i'm not at the wayne bennett age or stage at the moment um everyone can google him uh if you don't know who he is um but uh ultimately we do we are building up a lot of experience in terms of what we are able to help businesses with fantastic and this is how nicknames start too by the way Wayne Bennett. Oh, is um, it? <laughs> <laughs> so you're the Wayne Bennett of financial uh, advice coaching, are you? I already have a nickname, which is the uh, uh, the sensei. Anyway, what's the guy? You know, um, Ninja Turtles, the the rat it's sensei, isn't it? Uh, possibly. It's been a yeah, very long so, time. Uh, Adrian, that one. a shout out to Adrian and Clayton. They allocated that to me a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm going to work on Wayne Bennett. I think that's pretty appropriate. Um, so, so tell us about some of the businesses you have worked for and, and brought through that started from scratch. So the business that we started first that really got everything um, going. So we didn't actually know that this was a business until we were partly down the journey with Ben. But Ben started Pivot Wealth with us. It's probably around six years ago now. Um, and so how I met Ben and what transpired, which is which is a little bit unique, but but I do go through this journey with everyone anyway, is that I was mentoring and coaching Ben through an AFA program that was in existence at the time. Um, so it was just, it was coach and a coach mentor type of relationship in terms of what Ben was, ben, ben was working on with me. And I was helping him buy in 
coach him around really buying into his existing practice and developing his service offering and things like that. And what happened during that uh, conversations is that Ben was unable to buy into that practice because I'm sure people have heard this before, the terms change, the price goes up, the timeline always grows. And so they're the three things that uh, completely frustrate the younger advisor, but completely are rational from the headset of the older advisor who doesn't want to retire just yet. And so we were unable to close that gap. And so Ben and I were drinking whiskey one night and we just said, well, let's just do it. We'll just do it without you. Just start your own business. We'll help you with a little bit of money to build the website and a few other things and let's kick off. And so that's literally the the pebble that, that dropped for Ben. And then we sorted it all out. He quit and resigned, did the whole thing and started Pivot. And then we um, helped supported him for five years through the through the journey. And now he's gone on to even bigger and better things after after that first five years of us working with him. Um, so that's so that sort of pivot. We only were like two years into the work with Ben, and I was definitely a full time advisor and doing working with Ben part time. Uh, we then subsequently realised that this could be a business. And so when I met Jess and Glenn, that was sort of, they were completely pre-planned to build a business. Like they were um, working with their financial advisor two years before I met them to make sure they had enough money, what their business was going to be. They were incredibly well planned in terms of getting their business started. And when I met them about setting up their business, that's probably when I realized, oh, hold on, there's actually an opportunity here to, to build businesses um, with these type of advisors. And so that's, um, that was the second one that we, that we did. And so we've got a little bit of momentum from there and, and probably it's almost 12 months ago now, Fraser, that, that I started that process of really seriously extracting myself from Absolute Wealth Advisors and essentially putting 100% effort into growing starting and growing these businesses. Um, so we've got a growing team of uh, different financial planning businesses now with two, they start in two different ways. They either start from that entrepreneurial advisor, which is easier and, and my preference. Um, the other way that we have started them is we found um, the, a partnership. So like with an accounting firm or a mortgage broker to start a business together and we hire an advisor uh, but that, and I coach and mentor that advisor and the leadership team around that. It's a little bit more difficult. However, the interesting insight that I've had recently is it's a really good way of um, making the accountants particularly very comfortable with the concept of referring. So if you think about just in your own financial planning business, the the referrals that you get from an accountant is always is I must say probably always sporadic and, and random and just uh, very frustrating as a, as a process. And so often the way I looked at it is uh, we flipped the problem on the head and said, well, if the accountant is on the leadership team helping to build a financial planning business with us, we think that they're going to be more comfortable. They have a voice at the table around vision and values and the culture of the organization. So it'll lead to a greater success in terms of the referrals. 
obviously they also have an ownership interest in the end in the in the financial planning business but actually very rarely is it about the money it's more about that client care and getting the consistency of of service and message between an accounting firm and a financial planning firm is difficult just in a referral relationship is it uh, is it also important that you find an accountant or, or a mortgage broker that are um, hyper targeted in their um, client uh, because obviously it's otherwise like you said it's sporadic and it could just be here is a high net worth client here is um, you know somebody who wants blah 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 you know like it just could be completely opposite if you're yeah I think it's, yeah I do think so it's got to be you've got to be able to fit the financial planning business into the accounting business so the accounting business probably. Um, they, they're probably not as specialized as what financial planners can do because they always have the companies and the mums and dads that own the companies. But um, yeah, absolutely. There's this whole concept that if the accounting firm is looking after businesses and business owners, the financial planning firm obviously needs to be able, capability-wise, to be able to look after business owners and, and, and the like. And so that's a skill set for the advisor that we have to put into that business that they have to be capable of delivering to that standard. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the fact that when businesses are starting, there's often a little bit of funding required. Um, so not just, uh, you know, coaching, but a little bit of cash to do things like create websites and branding and marketing and mm. those sorts of things. Is that is that something that you do as well? Yeah. So when we start a business, we've got a an ability to lend the company money. So lend the advisor slash the company that we start some money to get to get started. Um, and that, so that's usually somewhere between 25 and 50 grand, depending on the, the business plan and everything that we organize. Um, it's, a, it's a loan, you've got to pay the boss back, all those kind of things. But it, it removes a, one other fear around starting the business. So we're trying to find the right people and break down some of their fears they have around starting their own business. So we know from a finance perspective, like from a cash flow perspective, it's going to cost a hundred grand to run your business properly for a year. And, and that doesn't give you an advisor salary at all. So if it's a hundred grand to run the business and we need to get a hundred grand to the advisor, somehow we've got to earn $200,000 a year. We're not going to do that in the first year. And so if we can fund the business for a little bit of cash flow to get started, which pays for some of the expenses, then we're able to get it kickstarted a bit easier and take the pressure slightly off that advisor to sign up their grandma to an ongoing service plan. So we want the, like everyone, like when I started, everyone was a potential client if they had a super fund. Whereas now, because we take that pressure off with, with doing the hyper-targeting, the coaching and a little bit of money, it means that they're able to say no to, to non-target clients and try to bring on the target clients really quickly. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that sounds you know exactly what uh, exactly what people need. I I remember um, uh, explaining to people uh, what this is what happened to me, but also explaining to people that were coming through um, the conversation around when you first start your own business, it's a bit like starting an apprenticeship. You're basically on apprenticeship wages the first year, and then sort of gets mm. it, it goes in these multiples. Uh, it chunks up every year, but uh, the first year is obviously a bit like going back to doing an apprenticeship. Yeah, and and it's important to. It's important to try to know the numbers. Like we know the numbers because we've seen a lot of it and we know what it's going to be, right? But I speak to advisors about starting their own business and I think 
some have had unrealistic expectations around the cost. Like even, even when it comes to licensee fees, if you've been within the Commonwealth Bank for 10 years, have great experience as a financial advisor, the concept of paying a dealer fee is actually not a, it's non-existent. It's not something you've ever thought about in terms of your um, pricing and your pricing was always set for you, but you never did any analysis to work out whether that was profitable or not. Yep. When you're in your own business, there is no, there isn't, every client has to be profitable. You've got to know what all of your expenses are. We've got to look at them on a monthly basis because there's not this bottomless pit of CBA money to keep funding all sorts of things. Yep. Um, yep. And so you're absolutely right that it's an apprenticeship in two ways. Like the apprenticeship wages is a really good analogy. And the apprenticeship is also in the concept of learning how to run a business which is the value that we bring. Like we don't really teach you about super contributions, that's assumed. Um, the value that we bring in the coaching is all around how to run a business that happens to deliver financial advice. And that's the bit that once again, if you've come from a larger business, you, you, you have no idea what you need or how much it actually costs. Yep. Like Jess Brady's funniest one was she's like, she always called IT help support at Macquarie, like IT support. And then when she started her own business, not only did we had IT support, so she could call it, but she understood the financial ramifications of every time she picked up the phone to call the help desk, it actually is a cost to the business. Now it was at Macquarie as well. It was just hidden from the advisor. Whereas when you're running your own business, frankly, no costs are all costs are your costs. Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, I wanted to touch on the um, now just just on the apprenticeship thing. When you said that too, I thought I just keep thinking about uh, the TV show, the The Apprentice, and maybe you could star on that with a whole lot of financial advisor. I've got some ideas coming out of that. We get okay. a whole lot of advisors in, and and, uh, and what are you going to do? Kick the, we can fire them. Fire them. <laughs> we fire them till they get the last one. We'll record it all and stick it out as a series. Well, that's our that that is the masterclass that we run. We don't. We don't fire people, but we train people um, in a in a particular way to find out whether they're good at, they 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 want to and are capable of running their own business. So that the masterclass that we run is is three outcomes from that that we would love is that first outcome is you do the masterclass with us, you do a business plan, and you realize being self employed is not for me. Um, that's a really good outcome much better than quitting your job, setting up a business, sinking a hundred grand and then working out, you're not cut out for business. So d doing the masterclass builds your business plan, which then you go, I'm not going to implement. That's great. Uh, and the second thing is people will do the masterclass, come along and then decide that they're going to do it all on their own and they can, and they can go and do that. And some of them pass the apprenticeship uh, and then they come and start a business with us in the partnership program. And so that's the journey that people go on with us is, is to do that, do that strategic thinking about, I really want to start a business. Where do I go to start the thinking about starting my own business? Like, no, we are trying to create a, the course for thinking about starting your own financial planning business. And then we've got one of the three solutions after that but really come and do this if you if you're thinking about it because i'll tell you all the interesting things about what it's like about running a business the good and the bad 
and then you will be able to work out whether it's right for you. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, and in that, obviously, so there's the mindset piece, which you really go through and then position and, and then you, you, you can make a decision after that. Um, but did you say you go through the actual, the fundamentals of the business plan in that course? Yeah, so we run, we run it over six weeks and we focus on six pillars of the financial advice business over, over those six weeks. And so the first week is, is around that mindset, but also vision and values to really drill down on what we think uh, the values of the organization should be. Now, they're very much aligned to your personal values because you are the business, but uh, it's vision and val- values and then vision for the organization. So doing some high level strategic thinking. Uh, week two, we delve into the clients. So we talk about what is the hyper-targeting and hyper-personalization of your target market? Like, where do you want to play? How do you want to talk to them? What do they actually want to hear from you? So we spend a lot of time in terms of uh, the clients. Week three, we talk about this healthy ecosystem of support. So who are all the people around you that are going to help you deliver your financial advice? Because the although I fundamentally believe in the one advice one advisor business I don't believe in the one man band okay so you never see a specialist doctor or a specialist lawyer answering the phones and the emails and opening the mail so I don't think that that should happen in the future but I absolutely think you can be a specialist with a support network around you to deliver advice. Yeah, okay. okay. The so, one advisor business is really valuable to us. So, um, I mean, obviously that that sort of, uh, obviously Jess, Glenn and Jess were two advisor business and, and, and you and your business partner were two advisor business. So there's a difference between partnership businesses and, and single advisor businesses? Look, to, to us, there's not. It's actually a personality thing. So Paul and I, Paul hired me into the business and then we left employment to go and start our business. So... Paul says that he never wanted to start a business on his own. And so when I was happy to start a business with him, he jumped um, and I was too young and naive to think about anything else. I just went, yeah, well, of course, I'm going to start my own business at 24. That sounds like fun. Jess and Glenn were very much uh, from their Macquarie days as BDMs. They always used to dream together about building the business. Uh, Ben was on his own for many years. Like he has a team of advisors now, but he was on his own for a few years. So he's a lone wolf in terms of getting getting started. Um, and probably more and more, I do see the single advisors coming coming to me. Um, I've spoken to some partners, but more likely, I think that it's going to be singles. And that's where the coaching really has a lot of value because you're alone at the top. Okay, so... The, the concept of having a business partner is means that Paul and I can talk about business all of the time. When you're on your own, you actually have no one to strategically talk to. And so that's the difference and the value of having a coaching mentoring relationship is that you've got someone to talk to that has seen it, done it before, and is able to talk you through the variety of different problems that are coming up. Yep. Yep. Um, no, so that, that makes the, sense because the, you're you're the business partner, I guess. You're you're the partner. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the business partner, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so that ecosystem of support around that one advisor is really important. 
And so that's bookkeeping, power planning, IT support. It's all of those pieces that you plug into the business. Have them thought out before you start your business. Don't quit your job and go, oh, I need a bookkeeper and look around. All of those things could be solved before you jump. Yeah. Um, and I guess if you don't know what you don't know, this is where you come into the frame. You go, well, this is what you need to have. You need to have this, correct. this, this, this. Yeah. yeah. And my favorite one in that phrase, like week four is all about the numbers. And so we build a financial forecast for five years with the advisors during our masterclass. And I must say, very rarely do advisors come to me with a financial model of how they're going to stay afloat for five years. Um, even though we work in finance, it doesn't mean we have the business finance mindset, okay? And so it's two different, it is two different skill sets. Just like we have CFOs as clients, they're completely different skill sets under this finance umbrella. So we take the time to build that forecast with the advisors so that we can make sure they're building a profitable business and they understand how many clients they have to bring on to replace their salary. I don't know if you're working and you're earning $130,000 a year as an advisor today, when you flip and start your own business, you've got to get it up to $360,000 to start to replace your income. And so that's a big, that's the mindset shift from earlier, but you see it in the numbers. So we do a lot on the numbers, which is both on how you want to price clients, charge fee for service, receive commissions, whatever we build a variety of different models around that uh, depending on what the advisor wants to do uh, the fifth week is all about the advice offering so not around strategy advice we assume each advisor knows what a super contribution is but it's all the surprise and delights in terms of what is your client service what is your new client journey where can you insert the personalization of financial planning into the client's world um, we're all probably really good at um, just randomly thinking of a client and going, oh, I should text them to say hello or I should check in on something that they were doing in their personal life. We're really good at that. Um, but you can systematize that and you can, and clients are none the, none the wiser, but it's, even, it's across your whole client base then. So we talk about, um, as one example, systematize the spontaneous so that you are delivering those delights, but the client thinks it's absolutely spontaneous. And then week six, Fraser, is all about um, business and action plans. So for us, we follow a coaching system, um, which is called EOS, which stands for Entrepreneur's Operating System. There's a variety of books on it. It's come from the US. Um, it is a, it's, it's built off the Rockefeller habits and a variety of different books, which all, all talks about the things that we know about quarterly rocks, annual goals, three-year goals, and 10-year goals. But the most important thing when we execute this particular business plan is the frequency that we meet with advice practices on a weekly basis. And so the contrasting business partnership to coaching is that we're in the business, in the trenches with the advisor on a weekly basis, solving problems. I'm, this is being recorded on Tuesday and I spend the rest of my Tuesday talking to each of the advice practices between 9.30 and 5 o'clock. And so that's the way in which we help individually solve problems for each of those advice practices. Um, and so that's how we do it, which contrasting to the coach typically, um, and it's no disrespect to the coaching model, but the coaches talk to the businesses 
once a month or once every two months potentially. And what I found in my experience is that they, they're like the suggestors and they just drop all these ideas. And so that's the hardest thing about um, working with a coach but not having any strategy to execute is that all they do, all they generalizing, they give you 50 great ideas and then you go back to your desk and you're like so motivated with your 50 great ideas, but it's very hard to choose which one to execute. It's very hard to execute on 50 things at once. And so there's no system for how we choose the right idea, create a create accountability and build a plan to execute. And so with it, the frequency of working with the businesses, we're able to build that execution model to make sure the advisors are executing. And we actually help with resources to make that happen. So we've got other, you know, in across the spectrum of all of our businesses, we have now about 22 staff members that work in Cebu in the Philippines across all the businesses. And so that's a, each business has dedicated staff, but we have staff members that, that sit across them in terms of training. Um, and so when we encounter a problem in one business, one of the other businesses has people and expertise that's probably already solved it. And so we just get them to talk to one another and train each other's back office at the end of the day. And so we're able to not only work with the advisor in coming up with the solution, but actually execute it as well with them. And so that's more when we go, business plans are great, but how we're going to do an action plan is really important to get us towards a goal. Yeah, fantastic. It, uh, and that certainly makes sense. You know, same thing with financial advice, you know, strategies and those things um, are great, uh, but putting them in places where it actually works. Yeah. And, and uh, so the, the entrepreneur operating system um, is your, your implementation framework, but it's also your weekly meetings or your accountability meetings, right? You're actually yep. there to make sure stuff's getting done and not just being left till the next month. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a good piece of software and the language is, is very simple, but we all have to-dos that have to get done every week. We have this concept of an issues list. The issues list is just what's going on in the business and you literally text it. Um, to the thing. So so Glenn, while he's walking to work or walking to home, thinks of an issue. Now, issues are good or bad. Don't, don't misconstrue the word. But he's walking home. He thinks of something that we want to do in the business. He texts it to this number. It goes on the list. We talk about it on Tuesday. And so the amazing thing for an entrepreneur around that is that you never lose your great ideas. Um, they go on a list and they get dealt with appropriately at the leadership team. Now, I mean, on Tuesday, we can decide to talk about that issue. We can decide to defer it to our next quarterly meeting, or we can say, no, Glenn, that was silly and we'll close it. But the point of it is, is that there's a, there's a structure in place for dealing with those ideas so that we don't lose them because they are you know, walking home and you get have an idea. We, we don't want to lose it, but we want to build a structure around how we deal with that idea and resource it appropriately at some point in time in the future. Mm-hmm. Plus, I also like the idea that if I've got an idea of and put it somewhere, I haven't lost it or haven't, it hasn't gone into the ecosystem or, or yeah, I don't absolutely. have to keep thinking about it and all, all day and all night. Mm. No, it's very good. Fantastic. So t- talk to me about um, where to from here. So you've got, the, you've got the, the mastermind class. You're running that. How regularly? So we're running, so we're running the masterclass probably uh, on a – on a two-month cycle, so it's sort of six-week course. 
So every two months I'll start it. So I get a two week break in terms of uh, the content. So which means that there'll probably be another 10 or so over the next uh, over the next 12 months. So I'm starting one next week, but there'll be, we'll update the website and there'll be another one starting in, in probably four weeks time. Um, and so that that is valuable for anyone that is frankly currently in business on their own, anyone that's thinking about making that leap into, into business. Um, and whether they're thinking about making the leap next week or in a year's time, it's valuable. And so, you know, my Jess and Glenn story is they were talking about starting a financial planning business about two and a half years before they actually resigned from their jobs. And so that's the longest time. But most people that are doing the masterclass have not left their jobs. Um, so uh, I used to do it during business hours, but then realized that that's not necessarily fair on either the business, the their employer or the employee. Uh, and so we do it after hours now to so that we can um, they can do it in their private time, private time to start to build up that biz, that business plan. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, like you mentioned, that the the outcome of this is they decide whether they're not going to be, um, you know, not going to be an an advisor or self employed, uh, and or they they are, but they might be with somebody else, or they might be with you. Um, talk to me about if somebody's with another licensee or looking at growing with another licensee. This would also be good just to get their business plan together. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So the business that the coaching, mentoring, business building business, TWN Partners. We're actually indifferent between licensees. So it's not a, we will build a business with any advisor. And if they choose that they want to work with a different AFSL, that's absolutely fine. So we, we've separated the two businesses legally, <clears throat> pardon me, and somewhat functionally so that we can, so that we can have those two independent conversations. We, can start a business and you can go and be licensed by XYZ licensee and the service that I will deliver is exactly the same, okay? Um, the licensee that we have, the, the only way you get into the licensee though is to be a coaching client as well. So although I work with any licensee in business out externally, um, to be a member of the TWN family from an AFSL perspective, you've got to have gone through be participating in or gone through like Ben that um, that coaching program because that that in you know it's all about me it lowers the risk of the licensee because I know those businesses okay because I'm working very very closely with them we know what's going on we're knowing what products we're recommending we know what investments we're recommending we know the insurance philosophy all of those things that I'm building from a business perspective in those advice practices are great for a licensee because we know that they're thought through. Yeah. And you know, the culture of the business and the culture of absolutely. The, yeah, the yeah. Stuff. But the scale, like the scalability of this is that we might find that um, an advisor wants to leave their business, but it's more efficient to stay with your current licensee. So, and there's a lot of, if you were say, for example, you were going to leave your business and you'd negotiated to buy hundred thousand dollars of revenue or something so you're with a particular licensee you negotiated with your employer to buy a little bit of revenue etc etc to roll out into the new business that would be it would be prudent to stay with the same licensee because you don't have to go through all these efforts of maybe doing foundation soas and all of that kind of stuff the revenue flows really quickly and easily 
So that might be an option for you to stay with that particular AFSL, either in the short or, or long term. Yep. So how are you planning on growing the network over the next few years? So my, fo- my focus is on growing the number of partners that we have within the, within the group. And so this is a, um, my, my focus is that I'm always a hands-on executor and coach. So it's the, the scale at which this grows is, is only on a certain number of firms per, per year, which will be, I would say, between four and eight. If I started between four and eight businesses in the next 12 months, that would be a really good outcome for both those businesses and, and ourselves in terms of what we're able to create over that period of time. And so four to, four to eight businesses means that that's a, another eight businesses, another full day of weekly coaching for me. And so I've already got a full day. So there's only a limit in my time that I can dedicate to, to that. Um, but if we get to that point, that means we've actually, um, you know, that's doubled the size of the network and we're building great another eight great businesses off the, off the back of that. And that's really helping drive you know, what I'm trying to do personally in terms of make sure we can get more and more Australians getting great financial advice is that this is my way of doing it. Um, like I could also apply for the CEO of AMP and do it there. Um, but, I've, but my focus is on, um, that was my application, by the way, if anyone's listening. Well, you have to um, give up your job as head coach at the Rabbitohs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can do. I'm sure I can do both. Um, but yeah, my 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 ability to grow businesses to help um, advisors to be able to help more Australians is where my core focus is. Um, I think that everyone would benefit from great financial advice at some point in their life. You don't always have to pay ongoing fees and all of that, but I think everyone needs some type of strategy for them, um, and so that's building these businesses from the ground up with with motivated advisors that are focused on a particular target market means that we're able to achieve that goal more and more over time. Yep, fantastic. Exactly right. You know, you can help so many, maybe 100 odd clients as, a, as one advisor by themselves. But if you're helping, uh, you know, 10 advisors, then all of a sudden mm. that's a thousand. So my clients. numbers are now, I've, it's a number for me. So I'm I'm not, I haven't quite worked out the goal of how many clients, but we're probably, we're easily around a thousand at the moment that we're currently helping a thousand Australians, but I need that number to be higher. So that's my, that's my goal. Fantastic. And uh, all right, so you're growing and I guess the, uh, the scenario is with most businesses sort of staying for that five year period mark, then um, once you've been doing this for five years, you'll have a nice steady flow of, of exits and, and, uh, and launch pad. Scenarios. Yeah, correct. We we expect you know it's a revolving door. We we bring in four this year. We bring in four every year, and they just they exit at the back end, sort of thing. We don't know exactly what the exit at the back end will always be because we think that um, what we do on year, in year six, in terms of everything that we've taught them, maybe the business can run it themselves. So that's hopefully we go. That's one option. Um, or secondly, we might still deliver this, a similar coaching um, service in a, di- in a different way to those advice practices thereafter. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, yeah. otherwise, like we, th- we think like Ben has absolutely, he's flying in terms of what he's done since he's left. And so that's, that's obviously what we'd love for everyone is that they go in through our five years and then they've learned all the skills and they just continue to apply it over time. Yeah, fantastic. Well, five years. 
it's uh, it's kind of we go back to the apprenticeship thing, don't we? For sort of four, fourth year, fifth yeah, year, fifth year apprentice. Yeah, apprenticeship for four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, well, let's go. let go with masters, masters, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, fantastic, Dean. Thanks for coming and catching up today and, and giving us a bit of an overview of what you're doing now, which is super exciting. I love the coaching part of it, and I, I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this, uh, how the businesses that you help partner with uh, grow and 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 create themselves and. Uh, and and their voice in the market, and we all get to know them over time. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that pans out. So if somebody wants to talk about talk to you about this in a bit more, how's the best way to get hold of you? So the best way, uh, firstly, is we can you can go onto my website, which is twn.partners, and so that's their core of the coaching business. And so there's a you can register for some webinars. So that's a um, it's not a traditional webinar because. We probably have, say, five people attending, so just get a, get prepared that it's cameras on and a conversation about what it's like being in your own business and what I'm seeing as the dynamics of the market. So come and have a conversation on a webinar um, about starting financial planning businesses. Websites are always going to be updated with information about the masterclasses and things like that as well. And so you can... Um, register on the mailing list and things like that to get some more information and updates. I do a ton of blogs and things like that on my website as well about what's going on. Um, the other way to contact me and see me is LinkedIn. And so if you haven't seen me on LinkedIn, you should definitely um, follow follow me or connect. Um, and through there, I give a full update of obviously webinars and masterclass, but also just my learnings that I'm learning over time from the advice practices. So every Tuesday I have all of these coaching meetings, which means we solve problems. And I turn those problems into content for the community that's following me both on LinkedIn and on my website. So there's a, I just had a random question last week about should I buy a business or should I um, start from scratch? What are the advantages and disadvantages? And so I just opened up Loom, answered the question, and then we turn that, and then we put that on the website and on LinkedIn for people to share and comment on and learn over over time. So they're the two ways to um to uh, reach out, Fraser. Fantastic. So if you're interested in looking at your own business, I would suggest you jump on there and have a look at some of those videos and uh, and uh, jump on one of those next conversations. Thank you, Dean. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Fraser. Cheers. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. Hey, Emily. Hey, Fraser. Thank you for joining me. And today we're doing a really, really cool shout out, aren't we? Yes, we are. Let's give a huge shout out to one of XY's own, Gwen Lazarito, who has officially kicked off the brand new Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast. Yay. This is a, I know. So this is an opportunity to drive the positive or facilitate the conversations that will drive the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically in Southeast Asia. So episode one is out. Uh, an extra shout out to Ray Christen, Christian Hucker, who was Gwen's first guest. So super pumped about this. It's been a little little bit in the making. Um, there's a few episodes. I know some really great conversations to, to come out. So Go grab it wherever you get your podcast from and hit subscribe to keep up with episodes as they drop. Yeah, fantastic. So for those people that don't know, uh, obviously we've had the XY podcast for some time uh, with different hosts from time to time, obviously. Uh, but now we're starting to uh, to branch out a little bit and reach out into uh, to other areas and, and spread the uh, the voice globally. 
Uh, so this one is the first of probably quite a few to come out over time. So uh, keep your ears peeled. But uh, massive congratulations to Gwen. Thank you so much for taking on the reins uh, and starting the podcast in Southeast Asia. Thank you.